everybody, and welcome to Your Spiritual Best Friend on Spotify or wherever you guys are listening to the podcast. I am the host, Josh Sanchez, and the purpose of Your Spiritual Best Friend is to connect spirituality, mental health, and astrology all in one because it's important for everyone to realize that we are all on our own spiritual journey at the end of the day. So the more we open up, the more we are able to connect with each other and grow as a collective society. So sit back and relax and enjoy your spiritual best friend. Hey everybody and welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode, I got a chance to interview psychotherapist, couples counselor, author, educator, and the host of the self-talk podcast, Rachel Estarte. Me and Rachel, we really get into her journey from her discovering her spirituality, getting into writing and art, and becoming a mental health counselor and couples therapist. Rachel also opens up and gives great advice about relationships, finding your spirituality, and connecting with nature and writing. You can also check out all of Rachel's work by clicking in the links in the show description. And like always, guys, please like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Your subscriptions will help boost the podcast overall. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Rachel. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Your Spiritual Best Friend. I am your host, Josh Sanchez, and I'm here with a very special guest, Rachel. Rachel, how are you doing today, and what's going on? I'm doing really well. First of all, thank you, Josh, for having me as a guest. I'm looking forward to talking with you. Things are going really well, and we're in the middle of a heat wave here in New York, and so... Um, I'm just dealing with that. But other than that, everything's going well. <laughs> I will say I'm in the Philadelphia area, so I'm also feeling this heat wave as well, Rachel. So it it's crazy. Like at least like a couple weeks out of every summer, it just gets so intense with a heat wave around this time. But Rachel, I just want to say again, thank you for reaching out and wanting to come on a podcast. I'm, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today and we're going to have a lot of fun. And it, like I always tell everybody, it's, it's about you and your journey and whatever you're comfortable with sharing. But Rachel, I think we can really start this podcast off with just this first question. So when it comes to like work and passions, what do you really love to do for work and what are you really passionate about? Hmm. That's a great question. For me and and from the beginning of my life, it's always been about communication. It's always been about sharing with other people, with other sentient beings. Um, and so that's what's driven me since I was a child. The way that manifested was that I started very early in the creative arts. I kind of was born into it. My father was a poet and a professor my mother is an actor and, and a writer and a teacher. And so I kind of fell into the family business, if you will, and became a writer and an actor. And that's how I got started. Um, I still write. I've always been a writer. It's just something I can't ever turn off. I still do performing every now and again. I do voiceovers periodically. Uh, but... As my life went on, um, I realized I wanted to do a little more sharing and more communicating on a one-on-one -on -one basis. So I became a transformational life coach in 2012 
and then a holistic psychotherapist in 2016. Wow, Rachel, I will say that is really cool that you were able to do like a lot of great activities, you know, from like voiceovers to getting into like writing and the creative arts to also finding a passion towards helping people and getting into like that uh, Hellenistic psychotherapy. Um, What really got you into that? Did you have more of like a spiritual calling or was there like a moment in your life where you just wanted to change things up a little bit? Like what led you down that road? Yeah, it's a great question too. Uh, So I've always been very spiritual since I was a child and I never really thought to do anything with it except investigate it within myself. And as I started writing, I realized that I was writing a lot about life journeys and transitions that people make. And then I began practicing shamanism in 2013 uh, and and that sort of pushed me in a more spiritual direction. I was already training to be a life coach, um, and there was some spirituality attached to that. But I really wanted to to begin to integrate shamanic work into what I do for those who are interested. Um, and so, uh, the spiritual aspect of my of my healing work came pretty organically as I started studying it and practicing it. And I wanted to do more and more. So, um, so I really began to focus or sort of fine tune my practice so that I was integrating more spirituality into it. That's really cool, Rachel. And I will say uh, power to you for for realizing that and, and really connecting more with spirituality and stuff too. I can definitely feel the passion as you were describing like what you like to do. And that just leads me right to my next question. So let's say like it was my first session with me and you, you know, like what would a typical first session look like when it comes to like your spirituality work and all that stuff? That's good. So what happens is I'll ask about a potential patient's spirituality during our initial consultation call. It's one of my questions besides like, how old are you? And, and do you have any, you know, medical needs and that kind of stuff? I ask, what's your spirituality? Can you, how do you describe it? It's an essential part of the work that we do. And now having said that, um, I'm also a teacher and I teach uh, spiritual traditions and religions. So I'm fairly well-versed in many different spiritual practices and religions. So I have patients who are devout Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Buddhist, Wiccan, you know, and, or nothing at all. They just kind of are into, and I even have shamanic practitioners as patients. And so I love that because what we end up doing is finding the common denominator. So in a first session, we may talk a little bit about your spirituality, but, but because I'm coming at it from a, um, a psychotherapeutic perspective, I'm really interested in your background in the first session. I'll ask a lot about your attachment styles. In other words, what happened to you when you were a kid? If you got hurt, who did you go to? You know, and and then I get an idea of who was there for you when you were young. How were you supported? Where where is your sense of safety in the world? And I I do that by asking about about you about what was your school experience like? What were your siblings like? What are your relationships with your parents like? 
And then I get to learn more about how you form as a, as a person. Then we dive into, okay, what goals do you have for therapy? What do you want to see? That's when we start bringing in mind, body, and spirit to get you to the, to the place that you want to go. Yeah, that's really cool, Rachel. And I want to say thank you again for doing the work that you are doing because it's important for us to know and understand like the resources that are there for us and that are at our disposal so that way we can get help to really help understand ourselves. And I just want to commend you again for for doing this work as well because being a healer, being someone that wants to really help people, it definitely does take a lot of like emotional work from yourself, you know, to really be able to help others and make sure that you are also feeling good in the process as well. So I commend you as well and keep up the great work when it comes to that. But just continuing a little bit of our conversation. So now that we've broken down a little bit of like what really goes on in the first session, my next question is more about just like spirituality. So let's say someone is really struggling to really find themselves. Like, so for instance, for me, like I grew up old school Catholic Christian household. As I got older, I started to, I still practice a little bit of like the Catholic religion and Christianity, but I'm more into more like spirituality and like astrology and learning more about that. So like, what's some advice that you would give to someone that is sort of just like struggling to really find their spirituality? Like what would you really do to help them regain that or find something new that might help them identify themselves a little bit more? Yeah, that's, um, that's a really important path and decision that we make. I, first of all, I say, relax. That's the first thing I say, relax. Right? <laughs> Find something that you align with and just do it. So that means go deep into yourself. So in your case, you, you were raised Catholic, Christian, and there are elements of that that you still hold dear, but you're also still interested in other aspects of spirituality. Beautiful. So find the common denominator between those things. Remember, as as Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. So that means no matter what it is that you resonate with, that is your path to God or the divine or whatever. So Ken Wilber, who is a wonderful uh, philosopher and a spiritualist uh, philosopher, also says, you know, pick a practice and just stick with it because it really doesn't matter how you find your way to spirituality, how you find your way to to divinity is your own path and there's no right or wrong way. When we when we get quiet and listen to what resonates with us, that's your path. That's your path and there is no there is no one way to do it and there is no one religion or spiritual practice you have to follow. But if you do pick something or when you do pick something, give yourself to that path. And there are going to be ups and downs along the way. You might get bored. You might, you might decide that eh, this isn't for me. Sometimes if we push through it, I'll give you an example in my own life. So I, I mentioned that I'm a shamanic practitioner. Fine. But I'm also a kundalini yoga practitioner. And there are times when you're practicing kundalini where you want to just stop because <laughs> this is this is annoying. You know, my arms are getting tired or my back hurts or I'm tired of these chants or whatever it is. And and what you realize is and this is true, I think, for any time we hit a block is you're being asked to step through a, a threshold. So don't use that as a reason to quit. 
use it as as fuel to push past that one barrier, that one threshold, because you will go further in your in your practice if you do that. Yeah, just to take your last point, even like a step further, Rachel, like we all go through blocks where we do need to be changed because like we do need to push ourselves a little bit more to embrace the new challenge. So that, will, so that way we can evolve even even further. You know, if things were so easy, I feel like everybody would be doing it, you know, or everybody would be connected to everything. But that's just really like not how life works. You know, there's going to be blocks as like you said, highs and lows. And it's important for you to continue this journey and continue, like if it resonates with you, like you said, continue to put in the work and continue to do it and breathe and enjoy your journey along the way. I really thought, Rachel, that was a really great piece of advice. And I really appreciate our our conversation so far. But just continuing a little bit when it comes to like your passion for helping people, I know you mentioned like you're also very big into writing. Tell me a little bit about like your writing journey a little bit. How has writing really helped you find your own spirituality and your own self? Well, I started with poetry because that's what my father did, you know, so that's how I got. Yeah, so I wrote my first poem at four and one of the my father was also a, a teacher and influenced many, many people during his life. And one of the best lessons that he taught us all about poetry is that what we're doing is we're going deep into our own lives to get the imagery, the deep imagery that helps us reflect what's going on in the world around us. So when when I give advice to people who are looking to become writers, I say, listen, there's nothing new under the sun. What makes writing unique is that it's your perspective on whatever it is. So people say, well, everything's already been written. Yeah, but not by you, not with your spin on it, right? So for me, writing is about going deep, finding out what's important to me in the way that, that I see it and can articulate it and, and putting it out there, which is kind of scary, but putting it out there in the world to say, what do you guys think? You know, Do you resonate with this at all? And and that's just, again, it's just another way of, of communication. You're right, Rachel. And and I will say like writing is definitely another great form of communication that I definitely feel like needs to be talked about a little bit more, like for keeping a journal, being able to help process your thoughts. Um, as I was hearing you describe your journey, you know, like for me, like writing has been really important for me as, as it really helped me like just organize my thoughts together, goal setting with like my own personal reflection. So as I was hearing you like describe like with poetry and stuff, I I know a lot of people close to me that are young writers and they're very, they're in the process of trying to get published because they've they've done like a bunch of like poems and stuff and now they're trying to get published. So I really thought that was a great piece of advice, Rachel, again, to to just like explain writing in general. And again, like I've really appreciated our, our conversation so far. Have you guys heard about Anchor by Spotify as being the easiest way to make a podcast? Let me explain. It's free. 
Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Best of all, when even hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, like I said before, Anchor is totally free. So pick up your phones, laptops, or whatever you use and download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I hope to hear your podcast. But just transitioning a little bit, I know we talked a lot about like your journey and what you really like to do. Like you're a really good healer and and I really appreciate your insight into breaking down like what goes on in the first couple sessions. I appreciate that. Relationships, like I like I said, like they're very important. They play a very important part in our lives, you know. And my first question, just to bring up relationship talks, what's some qualities that you really look for in like a romantic partner and also just like a friendship? Well, I, you know, I've been on the planet a long time, so (laughs) I've had a lot of experience with relationships and I'm also, uh, you know, a a couples counselor. So I I work with couples and, and I can tell you one of the elements, the most important element is understanding that when you get into a relationship, you are not fusing your identities. You're not two people becoming one person. One, when we do that, it becomes very messy and codependent, and, and, and that's, that's a troubling thing. What we want to remember is that we are two individual people having a relationship together. And so when you can look at your partner and admire them for who they are without you, right? Just who they are as a person. And you remind yourself of that. And, and, and it works both ways, obviously. And you're both looking at each other, respecting each other as individual human beings. That keeps the relationship fresh and new. Even as you get to know each other over the years, the moment you start having expectations of someone the moment you start uh, assuming things about your partner, that's when we run into trouble. Now, that's not a terrible thing. We all do it. And that's when you come to me as a couples counselor and I help you <laughs> untie all the knots. But that's a really important thing, you know. And, and, and this applies to friendships as well, because relationships come in all different forms and love comes in all different forms. Right. And it's more than and I believe it's more it's more than natural to love more than one person in your life. You know, we are loving beings, ideally. Right. It's it's how we define those loves and how we act on those loves. Right. Some loves are, you know, if you if you're in if you choose to be in a monogamous relationship, then that's that has its own system that you apply to your relationship. If you are polyamorous, then that's a whole different thing, right? And each has its own kind of style to it. But no matter what kind of relationship you have, whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship, it's always about respecting each other as individuals and finding, and and yourself as well, finding self-love, which is extremely important so that you're not leaning on someone else to validate you if that makes sense. 
Yes, it, it definitely does, Rachel. And just to add to your point a little bit further, you know, it's like I interviewed someone like probably like a couple months ago and she mentioned how like we all have cups that are filled with water, you know, and what happens is like through our trauma, through our experiences, there's holes that are poked at our cups, which is like leaking water. And it's up to us to find those patches within ourselves to fix the holes that we have. So that way our cups stay full. So what happens is like some, like what you just explained, like some people, they expect their partner to do the work for their own cup, you know, and then it ends up spilling and creating a huge mess. So it's, but just to add to your point, like it's all about that self-love aspect, doing the emotional work for yourself as well and learning more about yourself. And then that, so that way you're able to, your cup is full and you have full of energy. So that way you guys can continue your good relationship, you know, because relationships are going to be highs. There's going to be lows. Like you really have to put in work in a lot of relationships. Um, but the ones that stay longer are the ones that, like you said, each party is doing the emotional work for themselves and are not projecting it onto their partner. Is there anything else that you would like to add as well, Rachel? Well, you touched on uh, just now talking about their ups and downs in every relationship. I like to encourage the couples I work with not to be freaked out by those, right? Don't be freaked out because you, you have a disagreement. Having disagreements or even arguments is really healthy in a relationship, but what matters is how you argue, right? There are two ways to argue. You argue to win the argument or you argue to heal the disconnect, right? So if you think about that, when you're having something with your partner and you have a disagreement, are you just trying to be right? Or are you trying to fix this issue so that it won't come back again? And, and when you look at it that way, you, you communicate very differently when you're trying to heal the issue as opposed to when you're trying to just win the argument. You know what I mean? And that's a, that's a great point that I really wanted to highlight as well, because like the purpose of arguments is not to decide like who's right or who's wrong in order to win the argument. Like, how are you guys actually going to move forward? Right have that mindset where it's like we argue and I'm trying to prove that I'm right. Like you're going to end up having the same conversation again, probably like a month or two later, or maybe even a couple of weeks later. And you're having the same conversation again. Like what is, are you actually getting your point across or is it just more, like you said, like, am I right? Am I wrong? So. Right. Cause you haven't healed the issue. That's why it keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. And and I really appreciate, again, very insightful and, and another great piece of advice, Rachel. I really appreciate it as well. But to share a little bit, so like for your own like journey in relationships, have you ever had moments for yourself where like you've really had to, to take a step back or to really just like learn from like relationship? Because I know you said you're very wise. So I know with great wisdom, definitely comes some good experience. So <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's been it, it. Of course, there are always moments where you have to have to reflect and there are uh, successful relationships or even what we might call unsuccessful relationships. Even the unsuccessful, i.e. the relationships that didn't work out, are potentials for us to learn, obviously, um, if nothing else, to learn what we no longer need in our life. And and that's not to gloss over the pain that we might experience if a relationship ends or doesn't work out. We have to grieve that, 
but even the grieving can be productive. And as you know, all the messy crying and all the, you know, whatever it is, isolating yourself, throwing yourself into bed and pulling the covers up, do that, go ahead, do all that. Um, but after a while, you know, to be able to reflect on it and say, you know, what was my part in this? What was the other person's part in this? What can I take away from this so that I, I don't make these choices? I'm not even going to say mistakes. How do I make the, not make these un, unhealthy choices again? Yeah, Rachel, definitely as well. And and like you said, like that's like that personal reflection aspect a little bit too. It's like after each relationship, whether it works or does not work, like what are the things that went right? What are the things that went wrong? What are the things that I need to, that I learned in this relationship? So that way, like you said, I'm not doing, I, I'm not going into another relationship and I'm doing the same thing that I did in my previous relationship. So I completely agree, Rachel. Again, another Another spot on piece of advice, and I really appreciate your overall insight in relationships in general. But just continuing our conversation a little bit, um, just just out of curiosity, like I know you've been doing a lot of just like healing work, and and you've got multiple avenues of like coaching couples and all that stuff too. Uh, where do you see your your career going now? Is there like a new challenge that you want to do, or a new task that's been interesting you? Like, what's like your next step? Well, um, I, my, my podcast is in its fourth year, which is called Self-Talk with Rachel Astarte. So I'm just expanding on that. Um, I've just finished my fourth novel and I'm working on uh, cleaning that up for publication. Um, and, you know, those, those are the projects I have. And of course, to continue my, my practice, uh, which is entirely remote. So I can work with people all over the world. I do work with people all over the world. And uh, to really begin to hone my practice so that I'm working with people who are really on that spiritual journey uh, more than more than just stepping into the arena. I love working with people that are just finding their spirituality, but I really like to begin to work with people who are a little farther along their journey. Um, so that so that we can get into the next phase, because what's going on in the world right now, you know, we don't have a lot of time. <laughs> you know what I mean, we need to really wake up as as human beings. And so uh, I want to be able to, in my practice, be able to help help people um, prepare for, for this next shift. I know you mentioned how like you created four novels now. Uh, if you can tell me a little bit uh one, I, one, I first want to say I appreciate all the work that you have done collectively. And I definitely think, obviously, like you've had a lot of experience in the field. You're going to continue to grow and stuff. And I really appreciate all that you have done to really help others. I know you mentioned, though, that you've written four novels. And I know we talked a little about like writing in the beginning. For you, like how has each novel like evolved for you? Because I know for each book and each each time like you are writing, you know, there's definitely a story behind it. So like how has it been for you to see the evolution from book one to now you're in the process of book four? Yeah. Well, I, f I wrote the first novel when I was 19 and it was very much a young adult novel because that's about where I was in my life. It was about a high school girl. And, and then the next two novels were written um, over 10 years later and, or about 10 years later, and they were more 
Um, well, all of my novels deal with some kind of personal transition. So the first book was about a young girl graduating high school, going to college, trying to figure out what she wants to do with her life, leaving some pretty dysfunctional friends behind <laughs> so that she could take, you know, take her next step. And then the other two were also about, you know, the first one was a woman in her Saturn return. So, you know, astrology, you probably know what a Saturn return is, right? The whole book is about her moving from 28 to 30 um, and all the crazy stuff that happens. That's uh, The Bride of Manhattan is the name of that novel. And then the the third novel was called The Exchange. And that was for me, my it, it was just a comedy is a straight up comedy. Um, but it was still about a young woman finding her way finding her voice in the world while trying to find love at the same time. So it's a little bit of a chiclet rom-com kind of a thing. That's called The Exchange. Anyway, and, and the, the fourth book is actually the next book in the trilogy based on The Bride of Manhattan. So where the, the character Garden is her name, Garden Tate, moves from 28 to 30 in the first book. The second book she's turning 50. So it's 20 years later. And then the third book will be her second Saturn return. So we're kind of shifting. So it's all about, it's all about people in transition, people learning about life and how to negotiate it. That's really cool, Rachel. And I'll make sure once we are done our recording, I'll make sure to put all the links to your books in the show description. So you guys can check out Rachel's work and, and that way you can, we can all read it and have some fun. And I completely agree, Rachel. Like that's really cool that you, your writing is based off of transition periods because those periods in our lifetime, like I, for Saturn returns, I'm very big on Saturn returns. Mine is in another couple years. So I still have some time to oh, read the book. Got it. <laughs> Oh, definitely. <laughs> I was definitely going to ask, but yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, like Saturn return is definitely a very big transition period in our lifetimes, guys. And and it's really cool to, that you are writing about the transitions because we all go through some form of transition in our lifetime and it's usually a very stressful period. everyone. This episode is brought to you by Podcash as a collaboration between Racket and Stir. Podcash gave away over $100,000 to up-and-coming podcasters as a way to support insanely creative and inspiring podcasters. We know how difficult it can be to get a podcast off the ground and running, but with Podcash, it's a great way to get cash, and best of all, it's all free for your podcast. So if podcasting has been on your to-do list or you're already a podcaster, go to podcast.com to stay up to date with future podcast happenings. That's again, podcast.com, P-O-D-C-A-S-H.com. I hope to see your future podcast. Hey 
Hey guys, since you made it this far into the podcast, why not drop a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you guys listen to the podcast. And if you guys really like the podcast and really want to follow it, send it to a friend, family member, or anyone else that would really impact from listening to the podcast. Like I mentioned before, your subscriptions and your follows and everything would mean a lot to the podcast and help boost the podcast overall. So I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast and continue to enjoy your spiritual best friend. So that's really cool that you're doing that, Rachel, and stuff as well. And like I said before, I'll make sure to put the links in the show description. But I think Saturn Return is a really cool segue to our next part of the conversation. So I've really appreciated you being so open to share from your books to your journeys to really relationship advice and helping others and where all that passion really stems from. When it comes to astrology, first, my first question I always ask everybody is just, like, what is your overall relationship with astrology? I know you mentioned Saturn return. So um, how do you how do you feel overall about astrology? Well, I, I firmly believe that because we are all interconnected and everything in existence is connected, there is no way that the planets don't have some kind of effect on us because we have an effect on them, you know, and, and to some extent. And we are uh, we are all in constant communication. Having said that, I'm not an astrologer. I don't know anything about it. I know I know my star sign. I know, you know, I know my rising signs. I know my moon sign and I know what Saturn return is. Um, I know what to do when Mercury is in retrograde. And then beyond that, I really don't really don't have a clue. <laughs> well, just to defend you, Rachel, like it definitely is a lot like I'm learning more as I've been doing this podcast and stuff, so I'm learning more about all the planets and their different meanings and stuff. And for this first part of our astrology discussion, first, I want to say it's cool that from like, if you're just beginning astrology, you should definitely know like Saturn return, sun, moon rising. So like you, Rachel, you're in the right ballpark. So you, you know, all the, you know, all the gist of like the beginnings of it and which is really good and stuff. So just starting, that's perfect. Everything that Rachel just said, you guys, if you just Google that and learn a little bit about it, read some books about it a little bit, you'll get a little bit of an understanding. Um, but for this first part, I always like to, for all my guests, I, this website is called thehoroscope.co. Um, a bunch of women, they teamed up and they do little readings based off of your sun and moon. And it, and it does get a little real because they give you positives, negatives, some perfect partner and advice. Um, so for you, Rachel, you are a Virgo sun with an Aquarius moon. And it says a generous personality. These people know when to play to conforming or to rebellious card. Positives for your sun and moon combination. Very clever compassion, and, and very compassionate. Negatives can be a little bit forgetful at times. Perfect partner. Someone who respects their independence. And word of advice. They should avoid settling on things they are not happy with. So as I give you your... Positives, negatives, perfect partner and advice. What are some thoughts that come to mind? Well, it's pretty spot on. I'm I'm not forgetful, though. I have to say that's one of those things. Maybe I've just trained myself not to be. So my rising sign is Sagittarius. So I have this really I have a strong drive. And so I think and that combined with my Virgo nature, 
I've got lists upon lists upon calendars and things. I don't, the only time I forget things I think is when I'm overwhelmed, you know, but everything else you said is, is pretty spot on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just to add a little bit too, cause like there's certain, cause for every, for every chart that we have, we either have, it's called sect. So it's like a form of astrology where if you don't know your exact birth time, you can figure out if you're a day chart or a night chart, it breaks up all the planets in the two teams. And for your chart, you're, you have a daytime chart. So you feel more towards your sun, your sun energy more than your moon energy. So if people were born at night, you feel more of your moon energy. So as you were describing, like I'm more of that Virgo energy because your moon is in Aquarius. And I think that's where because Aquarius is, they can be, they're very intelligent, but they can be a little bit aloof when it comes to something. So for you, as you're describing, I feel more of that sun energy. So you, you do have a daytime chart and how to find if you have a daytime chart or nighttime chart, you look at your rising and then you also look at, you look at what house your sun sign is in above the horizon. So how there's 12 houses. So houses one to seven or no, one to six, sorry, are below the horizon line. So if you if your sun is in one of those first six houses, you're a nighttime chart. And for daytime, it's from houses seven to 12. If it's above the horizon, daytime chart. So that's how to find it. And pretty much like I just said, so as I was hearing you describe, Rachel, you're like, I feel more towards like my Virgo energy. I was like, yeah, that definitely makes sense because you do have a lot more daytime placements than nighttime. So I just wanted to add that as well. And, and one of the other aspects I really wanted to highlight for your chart, so not so from a positive standpoint, because we all have things that are in harmony and we all, we, we all have challenges when it comes to our charts. I like to view challenges as like similar to what you've been saying earlier, like challenges, once you're able to learn to embrace and learn from your challenges that you experience within yourself, then you're able to evolve and grow as a, as a even better person, you know, so we all have challenges in our chart, but sticking to the positive. So like your sun sign, Virgo, Virgo rules the 10th house and the 10th house is all about the sense of career. It's sort of like what you really, that's like your spiritual calling into the world. Some people are meant to do certain things. Virgos, if you have Virgo in the 10th house, you are meant to really be of service to others and really to help others in that way. I only know this because to share, I also have Virgo, Virgo rules my 10th house as well. So, it, so I've definitely done a lot of studying when it comes to that. So if you have Virgo in your 10th house, it's really, you're really supposed to be a, a good teacher and to really help others. It's this need to really help others. Now, depending on what else you experience, that'll depend on what you want to help others in, but that need to help others is universal. So as I was describing that a little bit, how do you feel about Virgo being in your 10th house a little bit. <laughs> well, I think this podcast pretty much shows that it's pretty accurate. <laughs> like everything I've ever done <laughs> has, has been in service of others and, and, and to my, and myself, you know, I consider myself part of others since we're all connected, but yeah, absolutely. I've always, I mean, both my parents are teachers and I, I became a teacher as well, and um, and and then moving into into the therapeutic arts, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, that aligns really well. Yeah, so it seems like you've been just very there. You've always knew what you what your purpose was ever since a young age, and 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 that's really cool. That's really cool to see. 
one of the challenges, so now we highlight a little bit of the positive. So one of the challenges that I have seen, and I remember one of your answers, you talked about how like publishing for you, like you mentioned how like publishing can definitely be very like intense and a little bit like scary and stuff. So, so Chiron is the planet. So Chiron is the wounded healer. So, so pretty much like a brief summary, like Chiron was immortal. Like Chiron is a teacher. He's meant to really help us learn a lesson, but we all have core wounds pretty much. Just like a quick little summary. Cause I can, if I talk about Chiron, I can probably talk in for like hours and hours, but just brief, brief summary. He's pretty much the wounded healer of the planets and we all have our core wounds. So for you, I, I see that your Chiron is an Aries. So Aries are usually very like, like when Aries are good, they're very confident, self-starting. Like they're not afraid to put themselves out there because they're ruled by Mars. Mars is the planet of physical action. So when you have a Chiron in Aries, it's more of you have to learn to gain that self-confidence, you know, like find that self-confidence. Um and for you, you have yours in your fifth house. So the fifth house is all about, it's sort of like sense of, it's sort of like, uh, it's it's sort of like, uh, it's the house of like creativity, like uh, even like some like family life a little bit when it comes uh, involved in that. It's all about like imagination. Like it's all about the creativity aspect the house is. So for you, I see that Chiron in the fifth house, just let me know if this resonates with you or not, but you've had to learn throughout times to really just, build that confidence when it comes to like creativity or like family life, stuff like that. Just let me know. Uh, have you ever had moments for you where that just really felt for you? Oh, absolutely. I had terrible self-confidence growing up. It was uh, uh, pretty non-existent <laughs> for, for a good chunk of my life. Yeah. It, that is something that I had to learn and a challenge that is ongoing, which is part of why I became a therapist, you know, because I knew how challenging it was for me to overcome these obstacles of low self-worth. So I wanted to be able to help and teach others to do the same for themselves. Yeah. The last part I really wanted to add with a lot of people that have the Chiron in Aries, um, they go on to be really good, like spiritual healers, because similar to what you just said, you know, like it takes someone to understand like, okay, like I understand I'm able to help others because I understand that feeling of like when I have, I've had like that low self-confidence or like that low self-worth, you know, and once you're able to learn to overcome that and embrace that challenge, then you're able to detect that from other people that have, that are at that moment where they feel like they have a like low self-worth and stuff. So a lot of people with the Chiron and Aries, that's what they end up doing. Like, they go through some rough patches of finding their worth, but then once they're able to, because again, Chiron is the wounded healer. It's meant to, like he's meant to help us at the end of the day. So once you're able to embrace that challenge, then you're able to detect that in others. So yeah, yeah, and it's it's really important too. You know, Chiron. Um, what little I know is, it, yeah, the wounded healer. That's really about choosing to, well, and in his case, choosing to stay wounded in order to be able to to heal. And of course, we don't want to stay wounded. But I think if we don't take that literally, if we think about it in terms of staying close to our wound, so we don't forget it or get overly confident um, that we remember that we're human and that we're fallible, helps us to be more humble in, in the work. 
Definitely, Rachel. And and I just want to say again, I really appreciated everything, your openness to even share your astrology chart and to share your life experiences. I, I completely agree, though. And like we've all said before, Chiron is meant to help us. And similar to all the planets, they all have their positives, their negatives, but we're all meant, they're meant to help us at the end of the day. And uh, I really appreciate all of our conversation so far, Rachel. I know we mentioned a little bit earlier about your books, but where can everybody check out the rest of your work? Like, do you have like a website or do you have like, like uh, social media? Where can everybody check out um, all the work that you do? Sure. You can, um, you can find me uh, at my website, which is rachelastartetherapy.com. Pretty easy. Um, the books are all available on Amazon. So if you just look up my name on Amazon, Rachel Astarte, my books will come up. Um, and I also have a nonfiction book called Celebrating Solitude, How to Discover and Honor Your Highest Self. So anybody who's interested in learning how to get quiet and find themselves, uh, that's a great little little book to to get you started. But that's it, really. Oh, and I'm I'm on uh, I'm on Facebook, Rachel Astarte Therapy, and on Instagram at the same Rachel at Rachel Astarte Therapy. Perfect, and I'll make sure to put all the links that you said and to your website and social media in the show description, so we can all check out all that work and all that fun stuff. But Rachel, it's really been a great honor to have a conversation with you, and please stay safe. Thank you. You too, Josh. Thanks for having me.